This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. And I just ran into the uh, studio, oddly enough, from Thermopylae. And... Uh, do you believe that story that the guy that gave him a head, they said, here, take this message to uh, who would be a, a, a Greek general in Athens, Christian? Give me a name. Jimmy the Greek, let's say. <laughs> Better than the one I had. <laughs> You're in a full metal jacket out in Thermopylae. And you ever been to Greece in the summer? It's only like 1,040 degrees. Um, and they go, listen, um, unfortunately for you, cell service not here yet we fell into one of those blank spots so it's around 26.2 miles away and this guy's got to get this message in the next let's say two hours and 15 minutes or the limited planet we know and indeed there be dragons at the edge of the map we don't know what's out there but maybe atlantis maybe not but he needs to get this or the world's over start running well first off christian I know you're a stoic, and when you played point guard for Bobby Knight in the 70s, I just remember thinking, he's not going to break my math. He's not going to break my math. You and Quinn Butner, you swing the ball. Quinn would D up. It was beautiful to watch. Bobby Wilkinson and the small forward, Scotty May. Uh, Scott Benson. Uh, my, uh, to me, the greatest basketball team ever in college, 33-0. and I, I know over the long run, you've got to go with Coach Wooden and the U clans, but I'm talking about uh, one season. Crazy. But anyway, would you take your metal suit off, or would you hurt Lockhart all the way up to Athens with the message? Oh, definitely. You assumed I wanted an actual answer, and I had to jump in and stop you. Just getting the show out of port here. No, I'm going metal suit all the way up, because what's going to be the better selfie that I take? Now, Christian and I will be at the Geffen this weekend doing our two-man salute to Kid and Play. And um, just think of it as House Party 5. That's a Shakespearean take. It's called The Kid and Plays the Thing. The Kid and Plays the Thing. Christian? So, oh, yes, by sir. the way, I went for a hike. Am I allowed yeah. to talk? Or is there a certain, yeah. you want me to be Atlanta Hartsfield disembodied chick voice on the tram here where I just, you give me syllables and you put together sentences. Just so long as I get my eight minutes an episode, it's fine. Christian's got a podcast. It's called The Bladcast. And uh, he has uh, Mark Hamill's right nut on this week. Um, yeah. I know you're jealous. It's okay. You only got the left nut. I, t I told you I put up something about uh, Lance Armstrong on my Facebook, and uh, I said, uh, this Lance Armstrong documentary is interesting. I said it in a different way, but I, I don't want to sum, I don't want to kick in my dilithium crystals from my memory today, something I said. And uh, somebody put up, uh, he's a nut. Yes, I mean it. Um or did I tell you that story already? That's all right. It wasn't the same episode. Sorry. I got a lot of balls in the air. I might have told you that story. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Sammy! <laughs> what do you got, Christian? What's on, your, what's on your mind today? Well, a little later, 
we're going to chat again with our friend, uh, comedian Jim Florentine, because he actually did a gig a couple weeks ago. He did a stand-up gig at a drive-in movie theater in Atlantic City, and I was like, well, I want to... I want to let him talk to Dennis about that. I think that'll be fun. Is Rod Rosenstein sexy? I mean, what part of him is not sexy? All right. I just was wondering if it was just me. No, no, no. I told you about falling open-mouthed to sleep at Pirates of the Caribbean at the drive-in before the sun went down with my son. <laughs> you did. Oh, my God. I've never been more mortified. <laughs> Completely, they had some sort of... <laughs> the nachos had been Cosby'd or something. I, I should have probably looked. It was probably like Fat Albert's nachos or something because we got there early. I said to the son, let's play Nerf football down by the screen. It was too hot. We couldn't get out of the car. We were getting quasi-asphyxiated. Uh, finally, the, the kid got there and started popping corn around 6.30. Tee off time for the movie, by the way, 9. So my kid and I are there like idiots before... Uh, you know, the kid who runs the Tilt-A-Whirl is there. And we go up early. We get probably nachos from the day before. I can't imagine they come right out of the box with fresh nachos. I think they probably tee those up for the idiots who are there before sunset. Uh, we get two things of nachos. I swear to God they've been roofied. And uh, we sleep. We go to sleep, mouth open for an hour and a half. Still not dark. I open up and kids are outside the window looking in at me like I'm, you know, like that guy and his wife who bought too expensive a car and Goodfellas and the local kids were looking in at them and their heads were blown off. All right, there's an icebreaker. That's what's called a pod icebreaker, <laughs> folks. Pod breakers. And you are Esther Williams and a Mayo. Just, uh... Just uh, water skiing behind the big cigarette boat that is the Dennis Miller option. So what do you want to do today? So uh, prior to that, let's uh, let's go through some voice. Did you tell me I'm interviewing somebody? Is it Ken Burns? Did you say we're talking Florentine films? <laughs> yes. So Ken Burns is on, folks. He'll be here later. Talk about his Civil War documentary, the old one. Well, they're showing it at drive-ins. <laughs> Drive-ins, you got to stay loose in the uh, in the, the current climes of the country. So those are called drive-through. You just uh, you catch around fifteen <laughs> seconds of the film. You keep moving. You come. They pause the thing. You come back around. Just stay loose. Uh, stay frosty. You okay, Lindsay? Is she crying? I don't like that. <laughs> I know. It's it sounds like she's crying for sure. I know things are sad right now. Let's go to the drive-by. <laughs> Frankly, Scarlet, I don't. Then you do a loop, check out your, you know, get your metrics, see if anybody's clocking you, come back around. I don't give a damn. And you see it in snippets. It's like a kidnap note approach to great films. Biden looks good. He looks sharp. I'm watching Biden here. <laughs> Took the mask off. I, you know, Tony Curtis is Harry Houdini got out of a straitjacket earlier, easier than Biden just took a two-strap mask off. It was like uh, it was like a requisite guy who dies in the tree while parachuting because he couldn't get out. You know, that guy who gets hung up in the town square and the church bells. Oh, look at Biden. He's grandma. Um, and when I look at Biden. 
And I'm thinking Squatty Potty, right? He's definitely on the the SP. Because that is a passage to India there. That's really, that's a low water level in the uh, in the canal. Um, a series of locks would bring Joe Biden's bowel movements to the surface. Originally, the Lessups had thought uh, an entire canal cut through the central peninsula at the same level would be the approach. Found out. It was not like the Suez. And he pondered whether he wanted to go for it, since his name and title would be dismerged inevitably by the fact that his great-great-grandson married the Countess of the Lessops on Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> so, so what about Biden makes you think he uses any kind of potty? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling maybe depends, maybe uh, Pampers Snuggies because uh, they don't leak as much. I mean, Hang that's on. just where I'm thinking. Sorry, Countess, it was a joke. <laughs> I'm on speed dial with all the right people. Um, I'm not going to talk about Biden anymore. I'm getting out of that whole political thing. He seems great. I'm sure he'll be great if he gets it. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the best. Look sharp. Uh, he's the sort of guy who could get hurt placing his hand on the Bible at the uh, <laughs> at the swearing-in. I, I don't know how it'll happen. Some sort of paper cut or him garroting himself with that <laughs> red bookmark. That's the great thing about buying Bibles, by the way. There's a little. They tithe back at you when they give you the free red. Uh, bookmark. There's a lot of times when I get my holy books, your your Quran. What is the one in uh, your uh, Confucian pamphlet? Uh, Confucius pamphlet. Uh, that thing that this chunky guy who sits gives you. Um, Buddha. Um, you got to then go out and get a bookmark. And you don't want to put a regular one in there that has something smart-ass on it because it's a book of uh, God's Word. So you have to then pay for an extra laminated one that has the, I walk through the uh, Valley of Death near Pahrumpf, out in Nevada. And uh, that's a buck ninety-nine. I don't care how many, you know. So the fact that the Bible comes with a pre-inserted red ribbon that you can pull down to the page you're reading. Now, Christian, when you read your scripture, <laughs> do you uh, do you tuck the red ribbon down the seam of the book, or do you like to lay it across, uh, like they do, say, at a high mass at a Vatican ceremony? You know how they work it from corner to corner. And by the way, if you're going out to Costco and you want to buy a Bible, and you think, well, what? How do you measure the size of a Bible page? It is like a flat screen. You go from corner to corner. <laughs> You don't go straight up and down. You don't go across. No. Your measurement is from upper left-hand corner to bottom right-hand corner. So when you get out to the, the Bible department at Costco and they ask you what size you need, you because really, trust me, that one, you know, and one and one-eighth inch thing can really throw it off if you're trying to fit your Bible into a holy book nook, a holy book nook in your reading room. 
And if you go to Costco on Thursdays, you can get free samples from the Bible. They'll just give you little passages while you wait. <laughs> I went out to the Costco the other day, and there was a guy working dual hot plates. And uh, it reminded me of Luther Campbell when he uh, spin both discs simultaneously. It was very uh, two-life crew. They had some risotto on one. And then on the other one was an energy drink. He had put them together in some crazy sort of Jack Lane uh, Alfredo. I got a cup of one, a cup of the other, and I kept them mixed on. I don't like to mix things on my plate. If you've ever seen my plate and saw a, a green bean or a haricot vert brushed up against a piece of dead cow, you know it's not my plate. Because <laughs> I, I set up a little Brandenburg Gate with the mashed potatoes right between them. Christian, what are we doing today besides... Uh... Speaking of Bibles, we got Steve from Utah. Voicemail number one. That's voicemail number one. Oh, my God. The uh, brain dead Daily Plaza joke was amazing. Absolutely hysterical. Thank you for the ongoing laughter. Thanks for having Landau on today. He's one of my faves, as are you. Really appreciate the show and will continue to be one of your... Uh, Loyal fans. Thanks, Dennis. Two things. I don't remember the jokes I've dropped in the first 15 minutes of this show. I just lost the previous show, so I hope Christian remembers it. Yeah, you were dropping it like it's hot. And secondly, I have no memory whatsoever of uh, interviewing Martin Landau on this show, but that'll show you where I'm at. And uh, He didn't want to talk about Mission Impossible. Martin Landau only wanted to talk about Space 1999. He was not interested in letting you talk about Mission Impossible, so it got a little a little feisty. Listen, um, to my way of thinking, Barbara Bain was the next Grace Kelly, but uh, Hitch had some sort of fat guy, chunky for uh, Tippy, and it didn't come off, but I always thought Babs Bain was right on the verge of being Hitchcock's next cool blonde. Second part of that was, uh, b -b -b oh, Martin Landau. Oh, my favorite Martin Landau line is uh, in uh, a Johnny Depp film about Ed Wood, where he gets in the car and he's living in that bad tract house out near Victorville. It's a thousand degrees. And he he was a debonair Count Dracula, the Frank Langella of his day, and now he's just a local oddity. And, doesn't even have good AC, as in the window AC. It's not a whole house. Talks to John Edward, and he says, nobody gives two fucks about Bela. <laughs> <laughs> it's as grim as it gets. Oh, is there anything better than a grim scene in a movie? Uh, there's one that's grimmer than that, but it doesn't have any sort of attendant uh, laugh contrails coming off it, so I can't laugh at it because it's too heartbreaking. Jack Lemon in that rainy, uh, harshly lit phone booth trying to get a sit on a rainy night because his daughter needs medical in Glengarry. Oh, he's outside, and yet it's the most claustrophobic thing I've ever seen. It is rough. You would rather be, speaking of Tippy Hedren, in the phone booth and the birds, getting a starling, taking your eye out in some sort of Oedipal avion play than be jack lemon begging for that sit to sell you know a term policy thing for 600 bucks that he gets eight percent on 
<laughs> oh, 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 Jesus, folks. Christian? <laughs> <laughs> With our ever-changing routines, there's never been a better time to learn something new. But with thousands of options available, finding the best way to learn can be challenging. My recommendation? An app called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique, powerful. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist gives you the best key takeaways, the need-to-know info from over 3,000 non-fiction bestsellers in over 27 categories. Blinkist condenses them down into Blinks, which you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. And now Blinkist offers its members even more, including exclusive original podcasts from top authors and creative thinkers. You still get access to the entire Blinkist library with your membership, and you can now dive deeper into full-length nonfiction audiobooks at a special discounted price. Over 14 million people use Blinkist to deepen their knowledge in topics spanning self-improvement, personal growth, management, leadership, and mindfulness, happiness, and more. I like Blinkist because it takes the guesswork from learning something new. I can listen to their 15-minute Blinks and decide right after if the full-length audiobook is the right investment for me. I also like Blinkist because it helps me get the key takeaways, as I said, in only 15 minutes. I use Blinkist when I'm hiking, and that usually takes an hour, and I like to cogitate a little on what I've just listened to, so I can knock off two Blinks in one hike. I've listened to these original shows on Blinkist and recommend that you check them out. The Barefoot Investor by Scott Pape. Everything is f a book about hope. <laughs> Sapiens, a brief history of humankind. Uh, right now, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dennis to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks, yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Dennis to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash Dennis. You got to move me along, that I man. I got no. No, it's fine. I'm. Uh, I'm just thinking about how every Monday and Wednesday uh, I think about how much I would rather be in that phone booth with Tippy Hendren. But we move on. I just uh, the Airbnb SpongeBob's place because as I look around me, I know I want to live a subaquatic <laughs> life now. <laughs> Voicemail number two, mm -hmm. Eduardo from Virginia. Wait a second. Can I see some papers? I. Googled you and uh, Joe Piscopo the other day and uh, okay. caught a, uh, an interview you did May of 2019 on uh, Joe Piscopo's radio show. You shared some information about uh, Tears for Fears when you used to use that theme song, that, that you paid them the amount of like $800,000. Mm. My God, I hope they send you a Christmas card every year. And I'll bet they're beating down the door these days during the shutdown to see if you want to use their theme song for your podcast. But uh, anyway, keep doing what you're doing, guys. Love what you're doing. The variety of guests that uh, Christian's been booking has really kept things jumping through this past couple of months. 
I'm looking to binge on Dennis Miller. So if there's any way to put together an anthology of all the different interviews you've ever done, all your HBO specials, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, let me get on that. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, Christian Knox and Sinatra was called back from the uh, Serengeti plane where he was, let's say, putting up a tent with Ava while she shot Magambo. Not since Fred Zinneman demanded that he come back and read for the part of Magion from here to eternity. Has anybody's career been at more of a nadir than me hearing a caller say, I Googled you and Joe Piscopo together? <laughs> Good. All right. Happy times. Good times. Yeah, we're Darn. doing the uh, Sunshine Boys, uh, the Kenley players next week. Uh, and I, ironically, he's doing it with Yahoo Series. I play Joe's uh, prostate. And I come out and do a soliloquy halfway through about how... Um, what is my song called? Getting big's not always better. Getting... They've told me to sort of April Ives notes and silver and gold. I don't quite have the song down yet, but look for Joe. Yahoo Series and the Sunshine Boys with Dennis Miller. A little guest cameo as uh, Joe Piscopo's prostate. <laughs> Uh, I I think if you Google Dennis Miller, Joe Piscopo, career prospect, I believe your computer might crash. Hey, 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 be, be gentle. I'm fragile over here about this. That's <laughs> the only time I swing the big stick is when I know it's going to hurt. <laughs> I'm, I'm curled up in a, a, a quasi-fetal position. And uh, as most of you know, every 10 years, they do a, uh, I don't know why the hell this is, but they do a line dancing performance on uh, Michael Dunn's grave in Hertfordshire, England. Michael Dunn, Dr. Miguelito Loveless. And this year, you know, much like Chicago, where they have somebody, or Didi Khan, who comes in to play the part in Greece, they always have a guest clogger, and I've been invited to MC it this year. So look for me on Dancing on Michael Dunn's Grave. Uh, I think that's in July. I hope it hasn't been canceled due to the COVID, but uh, I don't know. He's a deceased dwarf, and I don't know. Does that put him in a high-risk category, Christian? And if so, does the deceased part make him more prone to get the COVID or the uh, the dwarf part? It's the, it's the combination. Now, listen, when you bury a dwarf, do you get full... I'm trying to think what you get paid that day. Is that... What's the uh, burying a dwarf equivalent of time and a half on the other side of that? Time less a half? Or do they just... I think they negotiate, if, I'm not, if, I, if I remember in the, uh, the British countryside uh, burial workers' last negotiation, we come to the table in a binding arbitration! They negotiated that if they do bury a dwarf, they still get full... Um, Benefits, and I'm not hinting that there's any benefit to bearing a dwarf. I'm not into that Zappa throw bagger on stage, and you know, then um, the incredible Mishu crawling out during the encore. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I never did buy it. 
even when Christian and I were uh, doing our, uh, well, we did a rough show for a while. We were on a rough circuit, but the, I always insisted that the person in the bag be five two two. Didn't I? You did. That's what we like to call community outreach. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. I got nothing today, so I'm just scratching my brain and uh, hey. literally pouring out the. Uh, this is sort of some sort of uh, disassociative bulimia, is the way I look at this. <laughs> well, it's working because you look fantastic. Oh yeah, this is gold. This is why we're straddling the uh, mean line. We're barely surviving as a podcast. Well, I'd like to uh, play matchmaker between Eduardo from Virginia and voicemail number six. We got six. married in a fever. Hotter than a pepper sprout. I'm a big fan. I still have all of uh, my recorded episodes <laughs> of the bathrobe sessions and watch them from uh, time to time. I've been so happy to find you on the RT uh, podcast I watched your interview with John Corbett today and planned to binge watch all the rest of the episodes. Thanks oh, so much thank for it's just a bright spot in my day when I get to see or hear from you. And I love uh, Lindsay's laugh and Christian's banter with you. What a great team you've put together. Keep up the good work. Now, see, Lindsay, when you eventually start betting fans, they're going to expect that laugh, you know. It's like Cary Grayer, who said they always go to bed with Gilda and they wake up with Rita Hayward, <laughs> which, trust me, is a nice default position, but that, that's what she used to say. And now, can you imagine, Lindsay, that you're in the heat of passion in the boudoir with one of your adoring fans, and as you are in full coquettish mode, he says, hey, give me your laugh. <laughs> I'm just going to have a, a, a little playback machine next to the bed ready to go. <laughs> Oh, I have a joke there, but I don't want to eventually end up in litigation. Christ, it was a solid joke. It was really <laughs> not on. hurtful. And you know, I love Lindsay. Sorry, Lindsay. Not the time we live in. It's not you. It's the, the girl team has uh, put down some tough edicts, and it's not even worth doing that joke anymore. It was a killer. It was quick. Would have been one of those. Christ, that's quick. How did he put that together? Man, I feel robbed. I had a good moment dinner. You're like, where did I have this? I can't even tell you because I was out probably not adhering to uh, strict protocols. And somebody said that they were appearing. Oh, I don't want to do it. This looks too good for me. But I had a moment, Christian. Remind me to tell you off the air so you can fall down and worship me and remember when I was young and a stone killer on the ad libs. Because uh, this was devastating. The guy looked at me and he was going to say, did you just think that up? But then I could see him saying, God, those two disparate threads were so weird. Of course he didn't have that prepped or backward. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see the whole thing happening. But I really, oof, you would have, I mean, uh, point A, point Z, uh, me in the middle, uh, showing the wingspan, grab two, clove hitch that motherfucker, walk out the door to Sergio Leone music. <whistles> Who was that ad libber? So 
Something about the pilia on my tongue renders me an ineffective whistler. But a common lament, right? <laughs> I mean, I, you hear that all the time. Hey, did you pack my shoot today? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're not going to need a shoot today, boss. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you saw anybody actually use a, uh, a shoot in a movie? You, you know, it's all now uh, since Roger Moore at age 80 in, uh, I think it was called Octoprostate or whatever his last Bond <laughs> film. Nobody has gone out at plane window with an actual shoot on as long as you dive out and find somebody in the air with a shoot. Remember that move? And you think, uh, you dive out of the window and then you look around and you think, there must be a shoot, a guy wearing a shoot out here somewhere. Oh, there he is. And you sort of contort your body like the Concorde where the, uh, you know, the bulky nose that's clunky down low tilts up into the the fuselage proper and you angle towards him at a high rate of speed. And uh, Here's the thing about that. And people say, is that dangerous? And sure it is. Because that's not social distancing. I know what you think. Plummeting to Earth at 130 miles an hour. Reaching terminal velocity. Wouldn't that, like, take the Rona and... Uh, you know, blow it away. You, you certainly you couldn't pick up Corona by not socially distancing. And indeed, uh, do you risk getting the Corona when you don't have a shoot on and there's only one other guy in the air and you're 3,000 feet off the ground at this point and you need a shoot? I would say do it. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the radio. Go for that shoot. Because I don't think you catch Corona there. Although, ironically, speaking of parachutes, Christian, I have heard people say that the coronavirus will cling to a surface like cruise outside the cargo plane in Mission Impossible Pie. <laughs> I was just glad that it, there was a Mission Impossible where he wasn't taking a mask off every three minutes. Because that fucked me up. You know, he'd be making love to a girl uh, in a tertiary way. I don't think cruise ever goes full bore. You know, um, Brahma bull ride. But... Uh, I remember in one of the Mission Impossibles, he'd be in bed with a woman, and the, he would rip the mask off, and he'd be the woman, and she'd rip the mask off, and be Tom Cruise. And I'd think, we, you know, why, why didn't we? We were there to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but your mind was blown. Country girl, I think you're pretty. Got to make you understand. <laughs> Don't know that line. In the city, <laughs> let me be your country man. Country girl. Now there's one of the singers in the world, Dylan, Neil Young who I can actually crank up and be as good as, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sing beaches for me again, Christian. You remember the song Bet sings to Bet Babs Hershey under the pier? Oh, uh, Wind Beneath My Wings? No, Sitting on the Dock of the... I think it was Sitting on... <laughs> yeah. Sitting on the Dock of was... Barbara Hershey. Otis Midler, I believe, did that song. <laughs> What a perfect name. I'm going to save that name when I eventually write. Ah, forget it.
That's so bad. You know, Christian, that's the tough thing about your mid-60s. You don't know if you're lazy or you've just given up. <laughs> hey, I like to think it's I like both. To, hey, I like to look on the bright side. I like to think I've completely just given up. <laughs> but I'm a people person. ExpressVPN is the software that I and thousands of my fans use every day to protect our data online. In the time since I've started using ExpressVPN, hacking methods have grown even more sophisticated. I'm sure many of you are working from home these days, and without your IT department to protect you from online threats, it's important that you take action on your own to secure your devices that you use for work. That's why I recommend using ExpressVPN for the best online protection possible. I've been talking about ExpressVPN on my show for so long that you must now understand why encrypting your network data is so important. But some of you still haven't acted. Why is that? You might be thinking that security threats don't affect you personally, but not using ExpressVPN is like leaving your front door unlocked every time you go out. Sure, nothing might happen for years, but when a break-in does happen, it's devastating. One of the easiest ways to secure your internet data is with ExpressVPN. You click one button on your computer or smartphone and you are protected. So my only question is, why haven't you gotten ExpressVPN yet? Visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Miller, and get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. That's expressvpn.com slash Miller. Wait, this, this, uh, the, 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 uh, Red Adair guy who comes in to do our soundboard every once in a while when, uh, Eugenio Marconi gets furloughed for the week, doesn't laugh anymore? Or what, what happened there? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> That's, that's so not, I think that's worse, Joey. I, I didn't I didn't land one of these on you. No, in you one minute period. I, I thought the Sergio Leone reference alone was worth playing this. Nice. Give me this. Well, keep it up. I mean, maybe you're the sound expert. Maybe turning it down's the play. I want but, you to be able to talk as well. No, no. The whole point is talk as little as possible. What, what did you pick? The MacArthur Park, Sergio Leone? Can, yeah, most people use good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm on the road again. <laughs> the roads in Italy. It's the happy and way. Most people play the other popular song, but I chose mood music. Turn that shit off. <laughs> I think that's the guy who ends up writing the mission and all those great songs, right? The Untouchables? What what is that man's name? Christian the composer. Very famous. I'm going to look him up now. Have you ever heard the soundtrack for the mission? With Robert De Niro's D'Artagnan, I don't even know what the hell it's about. One guy's a monk, the other guy's a musketeer. They live in the jungle. There, you don't have to go see it now. But um, who's the who's the guy? Eugenio Ennio Morricone, I think, wrote. Uh, yes, exactly. And did he do? Was he Sergio Leone's? Uh, yes. Bun boy on soundtrack. He did all the Clint Eastwood movies, uh, even Once Upon a Time in the West, for a few dollars more. Good, bad, and the ugly. Yes. Christ, all of a sudden you're Pauline Kael. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't hear a fucking laugh for a half an hour. Now I'm on uh, with Gene Shalit's disembodied <laughs> spirit. I didn't know if I was invited. Well, you're not now, Joey. You're <laughs> uninvited. I'm uninvited. <laughs> Joey Travolta, folks. Always <laughs> glad to have him here. <laughs> Joey and I first met doing a street rap in Philly. And uh, here, you might remember this one. Take it back. Do, 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 take it back. <laughs> Very good. That's Frank Stallone, by the way. Hey, no, thank you. Can you arrive a little later? Because, uh, <laughs> you know what happens in Sixth Sense, right? You know what the twist is there, Doctor? <laughs> I guessed it. Te- I guessed it 10 minutes in, Dennis. <laughs> I just slap you around, Jack, because I love you. Because uh, the reason I love you, I don't know you. <laughs> I start out loving everybody, Christian, and you know, and I work back. It's true. Uh, yeah. Innocent till proven guilty is reverted around to guilty until proven innocent. Uh, no, what is it? It's innocent till proven guilty. Do you think we adhere to that in this world? Uh, well, I mean, some countries don't have to, but I like to think we do. I always think, isn't that for the 12 people in that booth and them only? Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't, for public opinion, we don't have to do that. We can, yeah. Right, but they always drop that on you. And then, Christ, I'm not on the jury. I'm just an idiot out here watching a Jeffrey Epstein documentary thinking he did it. And then, you know, somebody comes in halfway through the documentary but we exist under an innocent... I go, I'm watching fucking TV. When, when did I end up in a uh, 12 Angry Men? How many 12 Angry Men can you name, Christian? If I get to say the numbers 1 through 12, I can say all 12 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Remember I used to do that joke where I'm, I'm, uh, I've put some seed money into a, a, an off-Broadway production of 12 Angry Men featuring all butch women? <laughs> yes. That was a scant five years ago. Could I tell that joke today, or is that a death sentence? I wouldn't. I mean, you can talk about it now as a as a joke gone by, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like it's in the now. I watched a comedy special the other night. I could not watch all of it, but I had heard so much about this woman. I guess she's British or uh, Australian. I didn't quite clock the accent, um, but it was called. Uh, it was a sequel to something called Nanette. And I'm telling you, I, I did not find any comedy in it. No, no, yeah, it's it's post-comedy is what she does. What is her name again? I don't want to act like a do the Letterman thing. I, I, it was just my first encounter with her. I believe it's Hannah Gatsby. Right. And, uh, well, let's just say it wasn't the great Gatsby. Maybe I caught the wrong 15 minutes, but uh, it was all set up. It was the same sort of unrequited thing when I'd see Dane Cook. You know, and I'd be sitting there. I had just done a comedy theater in Boston where I sold 400 out of 800 seats. And then I open up and uh, Dane Cook's playing a soccer stadium in Peru with about 200,000 people. And he's standing there in a circle in the round saying, Hey, Dick. So I went shopping today. <laughs> people were fucking in the aisles. I'm just out there splitting rocks for an hour. And plenty of the elders, gynecologists, you know, nothing. Yeah, but if you went out on stage and said, Hey, remember Transformers? There were more than meets the eye, right? Then you would have been able to play to 200,000. 
I will hold that movie at Michael Bay. <laughs> Country girl, I think you're pretty. What about some voicemails? Do we have any voicemails? Pro, con. I'd like to start with a con. Not funny. No wonder con's upset that, uh, you know, it's like the Roebuck of Sears and Roebuck. It's never con and pro. It's always pro and con. And what is the thing called in the middle, Christian, that looks like a, a, a G-clef and a petite seizure? I believe that's an ampersand. Hey, back off, mister. <laughs> I know what that's code for. Celebrity deathmatch, umlaut or sedilla? Go ahead, you make the call. Definitely umlaut. All right, I thought so. Because... Um, I think Umlaut certainly sounds like it's got to be Viking or Scandinavian, right? Yeah. And the winner of that match can go on and fight Tilde. Um, she was great. Did you see her curled up in that box at the Met? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> she she blurs all the lines, Tilde. I was in Iceland once. Is Iceland part of Scandinavia? Yeah. Or would you call it the, the 90210 Scandinavia? Well, no, I call it Abba country. Um, is that where they were from? I thought they were from Sweden or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. To me, it's all, it's all Abba. Yeah. Well, listen, all chromosomal work is either A, B, B, or A. And uh, I was in Iceland once, and they served you fish that had been marinated in urine, I think. And uh, it was as bad as you would have thought. <laughs> At least it wasn't like the, you know, baked Alaska or the, we'll make the Caesar table side where the, you know, waiter named Howie just whoops it out and pisses on your Greek salad. But um, hosing it down. More P, Mr. Miller. Um, yeah, just no anchovies. I really can't tolerate anchovies, but whiz away, Howie. And um, weren't you in an improv troupe named Whiz Away, Howie, if I'm not mistaken? Whiz away. Whiz away. Unfortunately, the Cheese Whiz Corporation is very litigious, and uh, we did have to change our name to Curds Plenty. Bring them down! <laughs> <laughs> All right, voicemails. Yes, so uh, recently you uh, solicited from the audience some joke submissions, and uh, Alex from the Netherlands has submitted three jokes that uh, I think we should play in order. Uh, voicemail number one, uh, sorry, voicemail number nine, Alex from the Netherlands. Dennis said it was okay to send in a few reference-laden jokes, and he'd do a post-mortem on it, so uh, here's a couple. Number one. Joe Biden, God bless him, just doesn't have the cerebral chops they're asking him to display for this. I mean, we haven't seen a national figure this intellectually unprepared since Billy Bob Thornton tried to send back a platter of undercooked French fried potatoes and sling blade. Mm, them potatoes ain't done yet. Not bad, Hans Brinker. Was that joke number one? It is indeed. Yes, voicemail number 10 is joke number two. That was beautiful. Number two, Joe Biden, God bless him. He knows he's not ready for this. He, he doesn't know why people are shoving him into the limelight. I mean, we saw less reluctance to take a leadership role from Robert Duvall as Boo Radley when Gregory Peck yanks him out of the shadows from behind Atticus's bedroom door. You know, it's funny is that the payoffs are um, as uh, overladen as I like, but his setups are 
um, I, I think you need a baser setup because I'm having trouble following the setups. I haven't seen reticence on this grand and vainglorious school. What was it? I didn't even play that beginning again. Number two, Joe Biden, God bless him. He knows he's not ready for this. He, he doesn't know why people are shoving him into the limelight. I mean, we saw less reluctance to take a leadership role from Robert Duvall as Boo Radley when Gregory Peck yanks him out of the shadows from behind Atticus's bedroom door. Less reluctance to take a leadership role gets a little nebulous. But the beginning of the jokes, uh, he doesn't want this. He doesn't want the limelight. I've seen that. Absolutely, yeah. Person uptight about the limelight, I'd reiterate that. So you pound that twice. But it gets all uh, Carlos Castaneda in the middle. I haven't seen someone re this reticent to be less reticent than forceful reticence. On the... He lost me there. <laughs> So that was the weak link there, but not a bad try. I kind of like the uh, yeah the uh, Boo Radley, and uh, I'm enjoying these. Let's go with the third joke. Then this guy's in the Netherlands. He is in the Netherlands. Yeah, I don't even know how he calls a toll-free number from the Netherlands, but uh, he figured it out. He's a day trader in the tulip floor over there. Go ahead. <laughs> Voicemail number eleven. Number three. The Democrats don't know what to do with all of Biden's gas. They can't hide him. They've actually taken to dubbing over Biden's voice in his sound bites, but it's not working. We haven't heard voiceovers this contrived since Jay Leno and Revenge of the Hideous Sun Demon. Hmm. I have that film right here, as a matter of fact. <laughs> as I collect old VHS uh, films, if we were if we had a vidcast, I could or whatever the or whatever the heck it's called, vodcast. Yeah. I still have to watch myself in every regard now. I feel like uh, Stephen Bochco's <laughs> cop rock. I'm telling you, I have freaking had it. <laughs> you flippin' freaked me. You mother me, flipper freaks. Let me uh, defer to your comedy PhD and ask if for that last joke, is the problem that the setup is something that's actually obviously not happening? I mean, they're not dubbing in Biden's voice in commercials. So that he kind of lost me with that, or should that not matter? Oh, no, I know. I watched the Daryl Hammond documentary last night. I'm still... <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. That's the new comedy. Who would have thought that non-punchline night at a B. Dalton on Ventura Boulevard was only a halfway stop? on our way to actively <laughs> suicide-inducing comedy. <laughs> wow, that is, what is the next step? Uh, heckling yourself with a rusty bicycle chain, a la the martyrs in uh, certain countries. Where do they do that? It's a big thing somewhere once a year. They uh, Self-flagellation with a bicycle chain. I believe they do it in Skokie. When the uh, when the Cubs are eliminated from the postseason contention. Now, what do we know historically about Skokie? Nazi march, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't really think about it. I just thought it was a funny name. I think that's. Uh, I don't know why you went there, but I, you never hear Skokie anymore unless it's true. Christian uh, pulsing out rhythms. Look, I I learned from my comedy hero. Krusty the Clown on The Simpsons. Things like Walla Walla Washington are funny. And uh, I go for funny naming sounds. Funny sounding <laughs> names. Well, I'd have to rate that trick of jokes as pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I don't, um, I must, uh, you know, but I, I like that sort of joke. I, I can see it's an anathema. 
to some people and some people like it. And uh, I think my career has been built on uh, going just enough clicks out to make it obscure and uh, going one notch back, at least on the first and second uh, thrusts of the joke, the third for the cognoscenti. But, uh, you know, I guess people say, oh, it's the worst part of your comedy. I hate that part. But um, I did okay. Yeah. I, you know, I look back on it. I'm 66 now. I'm trying to think when I started comedy. Maybe in my late 20s or something. And, uh, you know, granted, I'm, I'm near the pillars of Hercules career-wise. But uh, I think any time you push some chips in in your late 20s, you know, I feel like my, put it this way, um, Biden's at 79, and he's sort of overstayed his, uh, I, I view us both as comedians, I'm just intending it. And uh, <laughs> he is uh, the master of the throwaway. Imagine going into that Zoom meeting. What do you see on that screen when you look at yourself? Zoom meetings with coworkers and clients are great. Till you notice those bags under your eyes and your deep wrinkles. Let me tell you, these cameras catch everything. Now imagine they're gone. No risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your own home. Plexiderm is the solution for Zoom meeting eyes. I know, I tried it, and I look just like me, except 10 years younger. I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be great on Zoom meetings or FaceTiming with friends. They'll sure be surprised when they see you this summer. The best part is, Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you choose to tell them. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code MILLER for half off a full bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's half off plus an extra $10 off. Or call 800-685-1292 and mention code MILLER. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com and use code MILLER once again, that's code Miller at triplexiderm.com. What else we got, Christian? Well, uh, speaking of jokes, uh, Kenneth from Texas explains how he stole a joke from you. Uh, I stole from you. Uh, I was at a meeting down in Houston, Texas with a major oil company. And we were sitting there at this real, real boring meeting. And at the end of the day, uh, I had us all in the same hotel, and we all met down at the watering hole there at the uh, hotel and started talking, and I used the line, those guys make Mayberry look like a think tank. And everybody rolled. So um, I really appreciate you letting me steal from you. Thank you very much. Steal away, my brother. You can't remember that joke from ages ago. I, I, I remember I went through a period of writing jokes about uh, West Virginia and the South because I had been punched in the face by somebody in a Fess Parker hat in the parking lot of the West Virginia pit game, which is called the Backyard Brawl. And the punch didn't really... It caught me a little bit. It was on my... Uh, I think outside of my... Uh, 
I'm always fascinated by the bone that surrounds your eye. Is that called the occipital bone? You know, whenever they say, you know, there are days I look at creation and I think, oh, I guess God was, I guess they kept God at 29 hours that week so he'd invest in the dental plan or whatever. But there are certain things that seem to be so perfectly created that your eye, one of your most precious things, sits in a uh, little, you know, crater of the moon of bone is fascinating to me. So he kind of hit the outside of the heaviest bone and uh, glancing blow, I guess, is what I'm looking to say. Christian, weren't you in an improv shoot and glancing blow? And um, it was like, uh, it was like uh, Mumenschance with brandished directions, if I remember. Isn't that, wasn't that the headline in The Voice? Once again, there were the lawyers got in the way because there was a, a house of ill repute named the glancing blow and uh, we were unable to keep that name so we just had to call ourselves the windy chaps <laughs> oh that's funny um but um oh i don't even know what i was saying but i'm sure it was blatant bullshit <laughs> what else you got? Uh, voicemail number three, Jeff from Nashville, Tennessee. Love the show. Big fan. Um, you guys were talking to Ted Nugent, and uh, you guys were talking about why and how can musicians take drugs? You know, they're up on stage, all this. It feels so good to play. And I think part of it is when you are up there and it feels so good, when the show's done, you come off, the the low is so low. I think a lot of guys chase that stage high by taking drugs. Um, I played music for f 15 years and that was the biggest thing. I, I saw a lot of guys partake in that. Some of those low lows can be worse than if you actually did take drugs. So anyways, that's my two cents. Really love the show. Uh, thanks Dennis. But you know what I would say to that Christian is many people enter their lows from an adjacent low. You know, whenever I hear that it's such a high, I often think, well, we should got half, half the high, right? Don't most people you know who say they're feeling low enter that low through another yet another low? Maybe a, you know it's like a, a railroad flat in New York where there's seven lows in a row. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I'm just saying. I, I I think it's a gift to have the high. The one high is the yeah. anomaly. Uh, life's a you know contact sport. Wear a cup. But whenever I hear that, I. I'm telling you, I'm trying to think. Every time I've ever gotten stay off stage in my life, I've been out the door within two seconds. Um, I'm trying to think if I ever had anything like he said. Maybe for a while when I was doing uh, HBO and we were uh, riding high, when I'd get off, I had to drive home. I didn't have a driver. I just drove myself. And I would put some Led Zeppelin on as I pulled out of CBS Television City and uh put rock and roll on uh, the song and pretend that, that I uh, was in showbiz. But other than that, I've never, I've never gotten off the stage and thought, I wish I was out there more. Is that bad? No, I don't, I don't think so. You could uh, ask the same. I guess it's the difference between comedy and music. You know, comedy was, uh, if, if they wanted an hour and 15 I trust me, I was cognizant when it was an hour and 14 and a half. 
<laughs> and you're like, well, they're going to applaud for at least 30 seconds, so I'm out. Well, there's the roundup, too. So <laughs> trust me. Yeah. Uh, and I would have a chronometer, you know, digital thing, Jack Webb time. And uh, when it hit that, I would just almost, would, unless it was rude, I would say, thank you, good night. You know, trying to finish the word I was on. That being said, I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it for the exact time that um, it was stipulated that I uh, do it. And right after that, I, I don't know that whole thing about it, hard to come down. I guess I, 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 I roadrunner clouded back to coming down because, uh, you know, I, the unnatural feeling for me was uh, being in front of a room full of people on an elevated stage with amplification and having them vaguely give a shit or, you know, uh, not in agreement with what you're doing. That seems like the odd thing. So fleeing back to the Peloton often seemed comforting to me. Well, you can uh, ask our guest about the highs of performing on stage. Uh, Mr. Jim Florentine is with us now. Florentine Films, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, I was just picking up on that conversation. I am famous when the club owner goes headlining. How much time you want to do? I go, uh, 20, 20 minutes. <laughs> That's me too, Jim. I, this, every time they go, you want to do an hour? No. 45? Yes, 45. Well, and and that being said, I think people think that betrays some sort of uh, disdain for it. I really like it. I but it is a biz too, and whatever they want, I do. And I, you know, I always hear these things, but I had trouble coming down off the high of it, and I think, wow, I I, I must be defective in that area. I never have. That. I'll get a little rush after a show if I have a good show for you know ten fifteen minutes, but I don't want to go out and shoot up heroin afterwards because I. <laughs> I did a, a, a great show on a second show on a Friday, you know, at a, at a club. You did a nice callback and therefore have to. <laughs> I'm famous for I'm famous for getting a good laugh and go, good night. And I'm off. I don't even I don't even get to my closing bit. I'm like, I'm done. Forty two and forty two and 13 seconds. Perfect. You're listening to a man close to my own heart, the great comedian Jim Florentine, whose podcast, Everybody is Awful, and God, do I love that name, on Barstool Sports. And his website is Jim Florentine. What a lovely name, jimflorentine.com. And uh, Jim, I, I, I know we're coming back in odd ways, but this has to be one of the the odder ones. Tell me about, did you do a show at a drive-in theater recently? <laughs> It wasn't even a drive-in theater. It was a vacant lot in Atlantic City. Wow. Where, they, yeah, they did, they were, they've been doing drive-in comedy shows there. Well, tell me about, what are you like, Woody Guthrie up on a hay truck, or how does it work? I'm on the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> they open the back bed, and you stand up there with a microphone, and the cars are facing you. This land is your land. This is this is Tom Joad comedy. Wherever there's a heckler, I'll be there. Um, well, how did it go, brother? How many people were there? How was the amplification? Did you kill? How were your chops? Tell me, tell me. Well, you know, there's a whole little scene in Atlantic City with these guys, and they have all these little rooms. So the guy got in contact with me about three weeks before I did this show, and he said, hey, we're doing these drive-in shows. And I'm like... I go, okay, let me know how it goes. I said, I might be interested. I don't know. And he sent me a clip of a comedian the week before. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm not doing anything on a Saturday night. 
So I might as well drive to Atlantic City, which is like an hour and a half from my house. Mm -hmm. And it, the show started at six o'clock and it's over at 730. Perfect. You head back an hour and a half and you're in your own bed. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. But it also, it's better. to. I always say with comedy, the, the earlier the shows, the better. I start them at four in the afternoon to me. <laughs> do that dusk set. <laughs> There's some clubs that do shows at six o'clock and they're the best show on a Saturday and they're the best shows out of the whole weekend out of the seven shows you'll do. What do you think's behind that, Jim? Give me your theory. People don't want to be out late. They don't want to be out too late anymore. And they want to be able to have the option of doing something after the comedy show. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's less drinking, which is perfect. They're, they're not that drunk at six o'clock. They can't be. Yeah. That midnight show used to be brutal. You might as well have been playing, uh, you know, uh, Le Bastille or something. <laughs> they, were, they were up in arms at midnight. So I know that feeling. So you get on at six, you're done at seven. How did you score? Did you work any material off it? Tell me, uh, could you hear their applause, their laughter? Tell me. So they, they wire it where people could sit in their cars and they can listen on their radio, just like an old school driving movie theater. Mm-hmm. I thought the windows were going to be open and I have a loud, you know, uh, sound system, but it wasn't like that. It's really low. But so whenever they liked a joke, they would just beat the horn. That was showing their appreciation. <laughs> Beautiful. Which is, you know, you get out and, and you think, you know, I always have taglines on my jokes. So I tell the joke and then beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, now nah, I got to wait. <laughs> it's a brave new world, brother. You you did a lot of late night uh, sets, you know, on like the Tonight Show and all that stuff. It wasn't always weird when you had a you got a, a applause break on a joke, but you had a tagline, right. and you had to wait fifteen seconds for the applause to go down, and then it didn't work. It was too late. Yeah, I began to feel I was getting to be a better comedian when I killed that tagline. You know, because up front you're so studied and you're so like the the Arthur Murray footprints are out on the floor. You want to do it just like you've always done it. And I indeed went circled back around when the timing, the frisson was not right and ate it with the tag. But I think you grow as a comedian and eventually, I, if it wasn't the right time, I'd think kill that tag that's going to cost you. So that's when you get better at it, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, look, I was, it was 77 days since the last time I was on stage. It's the longest break I've ever taken and doing comedy almost 30 years. And I was itching to get back up. There. I go, I'll give this a shot. Why not? And mm -hmm. the thing was, it was, I haven't, you know, I haven't done my set. So I'm rehearsing on the way down in my car. I'm, I'm doing my lines basically out loud. Just the first time, right. you know, you do that as when you first start doing comedy, I used to be in the mirror practicing my jokes. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to make sure I had the words down because I haven't said them in so long. Well, it sounds kind of fun to me. Or I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a completely uh, unappealing thing. It must have been fun in a way. Just the novelty, like you said, after 77 days, must have been nice to yap a little. Oh, I loved it. And just being around people. So I get down there and they have like four guys open before me uh, on, up there. And I'm just watching what's going on. I'm like, God, I just got to deal with these horns. You know, <laughs> and you think it's drowning you out. It's, 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 it's for, you know, they're, you got two things going. You don't want to do comedy in the daytime. That's you, it's always a better at night. Like that was always the theory. Like you know, people don't laugh at jokes when it's still light out. Yes, because it's not as sexy. It's not as sexy. Yeah, the horns must have been akin to playing Brazil in soccer or something in the World Cup <laughs> when they have those nonstop uvulas or whatever the hell they're called. Oh yeah, yeah. The vuvuzelas. To me, when when I didn't get a la when I didn't get a beep on a joke, I got offended. <laughs> 
We are Pavlov's dogs, brother. Because <laughs> it's really noticeable. <laughs> Uh, we're talking to Jim Florentine, his podcast, which is great, by the way. Everybody is awful is on Barstool Sports, which is the place to to be right now. Hang your hat. I, I've never met that cat over there, but he makes me laugh. I, I, I sort of like his great Santini approach. Uh, JimFlorentine.com you can also go to. We're talking about him going down doing a stand-up. Uh, it, 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 listen, there are worse gigs. I know I've talked to Jimmy Norton. I know you guys go way back. And I've had the same experience. There's nothing worse between getting a, between a guy and his libido at a strip club doing comedy. Yeah, I, that's what I, I figured. I go, look, I did the worst gigs ever starting out. Let's go back, you know, back to where I started, basically. Um, I just I just remember even if you were good, guys were looking at you. They were almost pissed that you were being good because then you might read that as a sign they wanted to prolong it. And really, a guy's not in a strip club to, uh, you know, play Ouija board with Noel Coward. They're there to see women strip and they don't dig it. Look, yeah, I absolutely. You know, they would um, they'd pay us. They'd give us money, but they'd also give you free lap dances as part of the payment. Spotlight. I I used to work for Spotlight. Do you remember that agency back east? And uh, yeah, yeah. Spotlight would call you and ask if you wanted money or you wanted to take it out in, well, for purposes of the podcast, I'll say take it out in local trade. And you'd say, guys, I'm in, I'm in my I'm in my late twenties. I'm trying to make a living. Excuse me. So, no, I just remember when we performed at that strip club, we'd have to go up every hour on top of the hour for five minutes and do four different sets during the night. And the crowd hated you so bad, so you would mm -hmm. just get off the stage and go hide in the office because you didn't want to. You didn't yeah. think someone could have punched you out. But if you wanted to go get a lap dance in between your hour set, you had to walk through the crowd to the back of the room. And I was like, I was always afraid. I'm like, I get a bouncer. Can you, you know, follow me back there? Because I think some guy might want to beat me up for telling five minutes of jokes. What a world. <laughs> you, and, you and Norton must have howled. Bro. You must have. I'm trying to think of somebody who I'd want to... Uh, be right off their wing on a night like that. That would have to be Jimmy Nord for me. That would make me how we're talking to Jim Florentine is everybody is awful. Uh, podcast. There's new ones every Monday and Thursday. Look for it on Barstool Sports. Man, we have been cooped up. I'm glad to see we're getting out a little. You hear these stories because, man, the uh, the cha-cha-cha, the, the repetitive steps at home are starting to get to me. The language I hear, the jargon, the whole glossary that's built up around quarantine terms is just maddening to me. Is it getting to you, Jim? Oh, yeah. The, it's, you know... You know, like I was talking on my podcast last week about, you know, everyone going, we're all in this together. I'm like, we're not. <laughs> That's my exact thought. No, we're not. It's all for one, one for all. You know, if, if some people believe it's real, some people don't. Some people are wearing masks. They're not wearing masks. Everybody's all over the place. And if I get coronavirus, <laughs> nobody's coming. That We're not all in this together. Then all come over and help me out. Feed me. Folks, it's the exact voice in my head. Honest to God, I sit there and shake my head. I said, I must miss the point because this whole this whole scene has never felt more polarized. You did this, this makes the Balkans look like a, a monolith. It's absolutely crazy. And everyone at the end, they do say that they slapped that safety code on it or something. We're all in this together. The new normal. That's another one. I, I don't want to be, I, I'm sorry. I don't even know what this indicates I am now, but 
I, I don't see everybody wearing masks. I don't know when that's going to be, but I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be shorter than it's going to be longer. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, this isn't the new normal because if they find a vaccine or this thing goes away, you know, in the fall, we're, we're back to normal. We're not going to be six feet apart wearing masks the rest of our lives. No, can't see it. I, honest to God, I just, I don't even see it the next time through. Like I said, Gavin Newsom sent me a save the date card for next year's quarantine. And I just don't think this <laughs> is going to happen next year. I, I really can't see people doing it again. Social distancing, though, I must say, I don't know about you, Jimmy, you sound a little like a, a hard case like me a little bit. I've never exactly been super gregarious. Not like I'm out Christmas caroling. So sometimes I think I must have been social distancing before before it be, became cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, you know, I love being six feet apart from people. I wish I could do that on a plane. You know, um, <laughs> you know it's funny. I, I go into Home Depot. Everybody's right on top of each other. The place is busy as ever. You know, people are wearing masks. I'm in New Jersey, but nobody's really staying that far apart. And as long as some guy doesn't cough on me, I'm fine. You know, and if some guy wants to stand right behind me online, I'm not going to get mad at him. Yeah, I, I, I have had my first episode yesterday where I go on a hike up in the hills and, and there's a part of the hike that's a single file lane. And the guy was coming up towards me. He's around 10 feet away. I don't want to make this worse than it is. Biggest sneeze imaginable. No mask. I don't expect them to have a mask. We're outside. I'm not nuts about it. But no covering anything. And, uh, you know, as he walks by me, I go, brother. You got you got to cover your schnoz, and uh, he gave me the dirtiest look. And I remember thinking, this motherfucker will get to the bottom of this hike again and start chiding other people. All I said was, you got to cover your nose, because it was a big honking uh, Don Simpson of Simpson and Bruckheimer trying to quit blow for a weekend out in, out in the desert sneeze. And all I said was, cover if you got pissed at me. <laughs> Uh, that's funny, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a touchy scene out there, man. What are your social media posts uh, 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 telling you? Do you, uh, I assume all the people who podcast, you must have some way for them to get in touch with you and uh, you must be reading submissions and stuff like that. What, what are you learning from the great, uh, the great masses out there? Yeah, well, people are very, uh, they're very aggravated that they're tired of the mom's pretending that, you know, because they got to homeschool their kids that, you know, oh, my kid didn't eat, eat the cafeteria food today. Ha ha. <laughs> I sent him to the principal's office, a mom's room in parentheses. Hilarious. There's a lot of that going on. So contrived schools. And I, I was homeschooled, ironically, at a branch campus when I was young. That's how dysfunctional a family. But there's a lot of repetitive hashtags that drive me crazy. Uh, you know, the uh, what uh, overall, when octogenarians fast dance at weddings, I get uptight. When I hear the word panties in public, I get uptight. And when I, when I, <laughs> Hear adults trying to use hipster slang. <laughs> I break out in the hives. Your thoughts on that? Oh, th there's nothing worse than uh, you know a 42 year old woman going. You know, um, me and uh, me and my uh, girlfriend we're besties. I'm like, you're you're 42 <laughs> years old. Your 14 year old daughter should be saying that to her friend that's in you know ninth right. grade with her. They're besties. Right. Uh, 
the hipster middle-aged person that uh, that really can skeeve you out a little. I'm trying to think when I hear your pipes, Jimmy. They're so you have such a beautiful speaking voice. Did you ever? And I know you're doing podcasts now, but when you started out, were you ever a DJ? Well, back when DJing was still DJing. That's originally what I started. You know, I went to college at a. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I did, for communications, and I was on the radio station at at the college I went to, and then I got internship at a radio station. I was doing a morning show when I was 22 years old on this little 100-watt radio station, uh, getting $100 a week they were paying me. You must me. have been a pig in slop, though. Were you happy? It sounds like that would be... I was super happy. that I, I left a job where I was like uh, landscaping, mm-hmm. $700 a week cash right. to work. Because I, I was like, this is my dream. This is what I want to do to make $100 a week. And that didn't last long because I was always writing jokes about what was going on. I wasn't trying to be Howard Stern or outrageous. I was just cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, no, you can't just, you got to say the weather and the news and, and then move on or, you know, the weather and the time and then get to the next song. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to get a personality. Like, no. So I just, right, sure. so as I started writing jokes, I go, I'm going to go on stage and tell these jokes. Cause I was frustrated. And once I went on stage, once that my, my DJ career was over, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, whenever young people ask me, uh, like, how they get to stand up, I think they see the far shore. And I would tell you, it's pulling on the threads like that. Uh, anybody out there who's interested, you take that gig, like Jim said, imagine the cer- cer- set of circumstances that have and, uh, that happens to get him to the point where a guy says, you can't do those jokes here. He goes and finds the next place. It leads into the thing that he truly loves. It, it all sort of happens organically. You just got to get yourself out there and immerse yourself in it and let all those uh, tumblers click into place. I know we, I, I talked to Don Jameson recently, and I know you guys share. Uh, you're both metalheads, right? Yeah, yeah. Who who was the third cat? I remember you guys on VH1, you had a, a Three Musketeer thing. Who was the third cat again? Eddie Trunk. Yeah, Eddie Trunk, right. And uh, do you guys ever get together anymore? You ever see each other? You ever still indeed do broadcasts? We just did, you know, last week uh, we all got together. Uh, Eddie was having a barbecue, and we just did like a Facebook Live, us talking about that metal show, and people went crazy over it because that show hasn't been on the air in like three, four years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So they reacted well. It's yeah, they reacted well. But look, it's a niche o- audience. You know, w- you know, if the bass player from Dokken has a solo album coming out, we would have him on. I, you know, Jimmy Fallon wasn't going to have him on, but we we would. Well, I think Jimmy Fallon will tell you more than anybody that the future is niche, brother, because I don't know if anybody's speaking across all avenues right now. It seems like a, completely at uh, cross purposes. And by the way, when you see Eddie next time and he's having a barbecue, tell him I've, I've got a nice hydroxychloroquine dry rub that I'm selling over the Internet if he wants to get it. <laughs> all right, brother, you happy? Life good? You sound good. Life's amazing. You know, just enjoying it. I'm bonding even more with my kid. You know, he's, he's almost 10 years old. So, you know, just make do. Everybody's going through it. I can't feel sorry for myself. And, uh, you know, whatever. We'll get back to normal at some point. Exactamondo. Whining is getting uh, tired. We've been talking to Jim Florentine. His podcast, as I said, Everybody is Awful. You'll love it, folks. It's on Bar Stool Sports. His website is jimflorentine.com. And I think the new pods roll out on every uh, Monday and Thursday. Jimmy, your half fellow well met. Good to talk to you, brother. Great talking to you, Dennis. All right, we'll chat down the road. Jim Florentine, let me ask you, with the world around you right now, if you were invited to go live in uh, Winnie the Pooh's subterranean uh, 
Keebler, Air Keebler BNB thing, and just eat honey with a little bear with no pants on, who occasionally gets, you know, stuck looking out the window. And the world is crazy as it is. Would you go? Because I'm there in a shot. I'm there in a shot. Yeah. I, I mean, I like honey anyway, so I'm, I'm all in. Well, here's the weird thing. I'm allergic to all sorts of pollen and honey. <laughs> I'd still go. Still go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, and you know that fucker doesn't know any CPR. He's so obsessed with eating and stuff that... Uh, he hasn't figured out how to put on his pants. So no, no, he doesn't know CPR. I know. And you're in complete anaphylactic shock. You're twitching. You're about to bite your tongue off. You need somebody to get you over on the left side of your body and bite bite down on a fudgesicle stick. You look up. Who's going to save me here? Fat bear with no pants on. Kind of, kind of vaguely resembling Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Boogie Nights. You know, that sort of uh, forest tank top. All righty. Um, Lindsay, you have anything you want me to speak to before we go? I think we should play Jen's voicemail. It's really funny, and it's um, what she would like to do instead of staying indoors. Well, thank you, because Christian's bailed out on me. I noticed. <laughs> All right. Lindsay would like us to leave on this voicemail because it compliments uh, some of our sponsors. So voicemail number four is Jen from Michigan. I'm telling you, with the way Gretchen was extending the stay-at-home orders to keep us safe, I got to a point where I'd rather play Let's Make a Deal, knowing two of the three doors contain gas station bathroom doorknobs I'd have to lick if chosen. I mean, come on. Keep it up, you guys. The topics are fantastic. I love the products you promote. The skylight frame, amazing guest. Take care. Love you. Bye. Oddly enough, somebody skylight framed me a picture of Ruby in the garage in Dallas today. I don't know who it came from, but that's the sort of excitement. You're welcome. <laughs> remember, I used to, remember I used to do that joke, Christian, about, uh, uh, what was it? It was a, um, it was about, uh, I haven't seen Jack, how'd Jack Ruby get into the garage that day? What were the criteria that they were using to exclude people from being at that loading dock? Hey, boss, the guy who owns the local titty bars here, he's got a handgun. Bring him in. Bring him in, sure. Bring him in. I haven't seen choreography that stiff since the Med replaced Terrio on Dance Fever. It's an old reference. Folks. You have to go back and archive that. <laughs> it's all right. That, that was the joke. It was a solid joke, was it? That's a great joke. Come on. And I'm sorry, should we bleep? Uh, Joe knows this stuff. Joe? Yes. Titty. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Yeah, come on. Does Joe sound like he's a guy who's anti-titty? Mm, quite frankly, don't ask. No, could, Joey, <laughs> yes, it always sir. rocks with you. You know, it's like having a a sidecar in the sidecar with you. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the uh, Blue Angels with somebody who's afraid of flying. But, no, no, it's great. Christian, are you still wearing a mask on? Because I'm going out to lunch today. What are, what are the if I eat at an outdoor cafe, people are going now and not wearing masks, right? Well, I, I think that that's the the setting where I mean you can't because you're going to be eating. 
you know, so I, I don't I don't know why I think that the servers still do. And honestly, I'm I'm fine with that because, you know, it's uh, you know, I don't know what goes on in those kitchens. So yeah, I don't know what's going on in the world. You know, everything every well, I don't know about where you are and where the listeners are, but where I am, everything is uh, is open during the day now. I, I walk by Bob's Big Boy and people were eating inside Bob's Big Boy. That says <laughs> that says America you, is healing. You kill me. You kill me. All right, I got to go. Just wear a mask. No, nah, Christian, I, it was just tease. I don't want to leave on an angry note. Come over here. Come over here. No, I won't. <laughs> for me, for me, social distance is 90 miles away, and that's where I'm staying, big man. Oh. But Dak, it was a joke, Dak. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Don't understand, Dad. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Mm -hmm.